This is Angels Recap Hot Stove Edition on Angels Radio and on the AMA 30 radio app. Brown swings at that one, lifts it high in the air, hits it pretty well out into right center on the warning track, and that ball is trouted here! He hit it out. It just kept carrying. You're home for the most in-depth news and insight all off-season long. And swinging is Ohapi. Lifts a high fly ball. This is carrying deep out into left center. It is out of here. There's a swing and a ball that's lifted high, and it's hit deep out into right field, tight to the line, and that ball is out of here. Mickey Moniak gives himself a birthday present. It's one nothing Angels. From Angel Stadium, here's your host, Trent Rush. Well, we got a lot to get to today here on Angels Recap Hot Stove Edition. My name is Trent Rush. Glad to be with you here in right field at Angels Stadium. Uh, they got the, the, the dirty vents going on these days here at the ballpark. I'll tell you this. I am already kind of that mode where I'm, I'm counting down to see when the turf gets laid in here and you start bringing in the brand new field for the start of the season. You got the, the monster trucks and Supercross, and those events are awesome. It's a real good time at the Big A enjoying that. That being said, uh, the Big A is at its best when it's time for baseball and I think we are getting very close to that, closing in on just a couple of weeks before pitchers and catchers report out at Tempe, Arizona. Valentine's Day, have that date circled. I think it's a little easy uh, to remember that, right? You got when you know pitchers and catchers are going to report you, that's the same deadline you have getting ready for the anticipation of the start of the baseball season that you do to make sure that you take care of the Valentine's Day gifts uh, there and you line yourself up to be in pretty good shape. Okay, a lot to get to here on this show. Coming up in just a minute, we're going to hear a couple of clips from Angels General Manager Perry Manassian, who addressed the media a little bit earlier this week. We're going to spend most of the show today talking with Nolan Shawnawell, and we'll get into Shawnawell in just a bit. And then at the end of our show today, day we're gonna have Aaron Hicks uh some some comments from him because that's who the Angels just picked up and I think the Aaron Hicks signing is an interesting one for the Angels first of all he's owed about 10 million dollars this year and almost all of that is being picked up by the New York Yankees the Angels are going to pay him the league minimum for a 34 year old that is a Southern California native that comes back to Southern California and is coming off of what I thought was a very strong finish to last season now he played 93 games overall last year hit 253 okay well that was because the first 28 games he played in this season he was in new york where he hit a buck 88 back that up by going to baltimore a playoff team and in 65 games ends up hitting seven of his eight home runs had 31 of his 36 rbi and batted 275 with an ops over 800 so you look at what aaron hicks was able to do in his time with the Baltimore Orioles, it gets you kind of excited for hopefully the 34-year-old can continue that with the Angels. Now, here's the thing about just the way the setup is for Hicks and how the outfield could look. The way I saw it before the Hicks signing, it kind of felt like Taylor Ward, your left fielder. You got Mike Trout in center, and then probably some kind of platoon between Joe Adele and Mickey Moniak. Okay, so that's four. Would the Angels be willing to carry a fifth outfielder? And it kind of seems like maybe they do. A, you're going to see Mike Trout DH more this year, and that's something that Trout's going to have to embrace. And I know that for his career, he bats about 100 points higher as a center fielder than he does as a DH. 306 batting average in center field. 
206 batting average as a DH. But I think if you're talking about finding ways to preserve, uh, you know, Mike Trout's career and extend it the whole way through and and be able to to keep that prime as extended as long as possible, Mike's going to have to be able to embrace uh, that DH role a little bit. So I think we're going to see more Mike Trout as a designated hitter. And of course, Aaron Hicks is plenty capable of playing center. So is Mickey Moniak. Um, so I, I think you're all right there. Joe Adele can play out in center field as well. We've seen that too. So, uh, but by bringing in Aaron Hicks, I think on one front, it's just an insurance policy, right? It's an insurance policy for the injuries the Angels have had in the outfield. Obviously, you know, Mike Trout, we all know about, you know, the injury history there. I think that it's a little bit of an insurance policy in the sense of, well, if Moniak or Adele don't step up and be the guys that everyone's hoping they're going to be, well, you have a proven veteran there as well. And you also have insurance for Taylor Ward, who is coming off of a freak injury where he gets hit in the face. And it's one of those kind of injuries that you're not, 100% sure how he's going to react. You're optimistic and hopeful Taylor Ward is going to be the Taylor Ward you know he's capable of being. We just don't know yet, and we're not going to know. We're not going to know until the season starts. Even even through spring training, we're not going to know uh, for Taylor Ward. I'm looking forward to catching up with Taylor, hopefully uh, here in the next couple of weeks. But um, as far as the Angel outfield looks, okay, so there's a lot of talent there, but by bringing on a fifth guy, it does just kind of lend itself to being a real nice insurance policy, and there's pretty much no risk here as it is for the league minimum. Now, I think Aaron Hicks is also a step above maybe the Willie Calhoun and Jake Marisnicks of the world who are with the Angels on minor league deals, and now you start to look at the Angels in the outfield, pardon the pun, uh, but you see veteran talent there, and you see the mix of young guys with the veterans and you have you have a backup plan in order which is nice it's good to see the angels have that Um, obviously look if mike trout is not playing 145 150 games for the angels it's gonna be tough but to be able to have trout be able to dh some have some days off by having a player like aaron hicks in your outfield you feel like is only a good thing and in fact that's what angels general manager perry manassian talked about yesterday you know, Aaron is someone that it's a switch hitter. Uh, he can play all three outfield spots. He played really well for Baltimore after making the change from going to New York to Baltimore. And uh, we saw a rejuvenated guy that can still really play and, and be productive. And, and it was just with the injuries we've had in the outfield over the last couple of years, we want to make sure we have quality depth there and guys that can play and guys that can do different things. And uh, Aaron's one of those guys. On top of that, you're looking at a player that in the postseason was able to put together a pretty nice game in the ALDS against Texas, had an OPS over 1,000, drove in five runs in those three games. So you look at that, and uh, you, you, I, think, I think it's easy to be optimistic about Aaron Hicks. I think it's also uh, you know, fair to be like, okay, well, how does this work out? Who's the odd man out here? I think it's it's very possible the Angels could end up having a five-man outfield here. And I know that that might sound crazy. It probably puts a little bit of heat on guys like Adele and Moniak in spring training. Maybe not the worst thing in the world. But as far as Mike Trout uh, in center field, and could Aaron Hicks potentially take that spot from Trout in center, move maybe Mike Trout to a corner? Uh, Perry was very quick to shoot that down. Mike's our center fielder as we sit here today. I think with anything – you need players that can play in multiple positions. You don't know what's going to happen. So he's somebody that's played center. He played center last year for Baltimore in certain instances. I'm obviously a very good team that made the playoffs. Uh, he can play right. He can play left. He could really throw. So he's somebody that can help us in a lot of different ways. And obviously providing a 
switch hitting bat I thought was really really important you know whether that's playing or coming off the bench it gives wash options and it's a good veteran presence it is, and we're going to hear from Aaron Hicks coming up a little bit later on. I have been told Aaron Hicks is an outstanding golfer as well, so I'm definitely looking forward to hearing uh, about uh, Hicks on the links. We might have to get him uh, talking a little golf here uh, on AM830 at some point. Looking forward to that for sure. Okay, want to switch gears for a moment now to our special guest for today, and that is Nolan Shonowell, who appeared in 29 games for the Angels last season and reached base in every single one of them. Now, a 275 batting average is great. Did he hit the ball hard? Yes. Did he get a lot of extra base hits? No. And I know that that's something that he's working on, trying to prove that he can do at the major league level. Just three doubles and a home run last season. But for a guy that started the year playing college baseball at Florida Atlantic, to end up finishing in the major leagues in the month of September and reaching base in all 29 games he played, what a phenomenal story. The Angels' first-round draft pick that is currently the number one prospect in the organization already has some experience under his belt at the big league level and has done that at just 21 years old. We're going to hear from Nolan Shawnwell coming up on the other side of this short break. My name is Trent Rush. You're listening to the Angels Recap Podcast and Angels Recap Hot Stove Edition on AM830 and the AM830 app. Back on Angels Recap Hot Stove Edition. We're getting set to talk with Nolan Shonowell coming up in just a bit. Before we get to Nolan, did want to just talk a little bit about the first base position for the Angels because this is one for me that kind of looks like it's Shonowell's job. That being said, the 21-year-old's going to have to earn it in camp and I just look at the way the Angels are now set up in the infield. So if the Angels do end up carrying five outfielders, and with the addition of Hicks and you know Moniak and Adele, you know those are big league players. Adele's out of options, so that means he can't go back down unless being made available to anybody to, to go pick him up. You got Mike Trout out there, Taylor Ward. So unless somebody goes on the IL, uh, you know, t- to be able to keep Aaron Hicks in your outfield, you'd have to carry five. The reason why I think the Angels might be able to do this is because of the versatility that enough guys are able to play in the infield. And I look at um, Brandon Drury, who can play first or second. I look at Ringifo, who can play second, third, or shortstop. These are key players because I think for the Angels to be at their optimum level, you're going to need those bats, and you're going to also be able to or need to be able to, to move those guys around a little bit. I think in an ideal world I think that you could have a situation where you can play Shawnwell, Drury, Rangifo, and Rendon all at the same time, and you just have one of those guys DH, whether it be Rendon, whether it be uh, Shawnwell, whether it be Drury. You're going to have a chance to do some of that. And while Nolan Shawnwell definitely has to be able to hit the ball harder uh, as his career progresses, the fact that you know the on-base percentage was, was so outstanding a year ago, I, I think you give you some optimism a left-handed bat for the angels that definitely looks like is likely to be that first baseman now i think that you also have a player in matt thice who has the ability to play some first base and i know the angels probably don't want that i think they want to probably have him strictly as just the backup catcher for logan ohapi when you have someone like thice that that might be able to go spot you over there the angels have coverage between drury uh between thice um, and, and obviously with Sean Well, the Angels could have first base covered there. And even if even if Sean Well were to struggle in spring training, maybe the Angels don't necessarily feel like he's ready. You also you have to remember the Angels.
Eagles brought in a couple of other guys in Evan White, who is a former Gold Glover, who has a track record of being an outstanding, outstanding defensive player. Now, Evan White has not hit at the major league level yet. And for the Angels, um, you know, for, for Evan White to have success at the big league level, he's got to hit. And he hasn't shown that he can yet, but maybe a change of scenery ends up being a good thing for a guy that at one point was a, a very highly rated prospect for the Seattle Mariners. For Nolan Shonowell, he does seem to be the top dog in that mix. And at 21 years old, an amazing story, what he was able to go through uh, last year to, to start the year in college and finish the year in the major leagues. Absolutely wild that he was able to do that. And, well, he and I had a chat about that a little bit earlier this week. Joined now by maybe one of the most key members of the Angels 25U squad. We're talking about the Halo's number one prospect who only has reached base in every single game he's played in in the major league level. 29 of them to begin his career. Angel first baseman Nolan Shonwell joins us now. Nolan, great to hear from you. Uh, just want to get some thoughts on what the offseason has been like getting ready for 2024. Yeah, thank you for having me. Um, just been working on a lot. Here in the offseason, definitely a, a big learning curve for me, uh, trying to unlock that power that I showed in college, trying to learn new things every step of the way, trying to just progress as a baseball player, try to try to improve the things that I lacked in, in uh, the 23 season. I want to get into the power and, and the development part. We're going to get there. Um, but before we do, did want to just kind of take a look at – the 2023 calendar year for you? Because I'm guessing maybe you're just now starting to catch your breath after starting the year playing college baseball and finishing it in the major leagues. Have you had a chance to reflect on all and just how crazy that was last year? I, every morning I wake up and it's kind of like, did this really just happen? <laughs> kind of thing. But it, I, I look back and it, it, it's, I, I'm so grateful. I, I, all glory to God. Uh, I just believe that um, it's it, it's a miracle. Uh, every everything I went through uh, happened for a reason. It was it was earned, and uh, just it, it was hard. It was hard to go through because it, everything was moving so fast. Couldn't really get my feet wet, and then finally got got to the show and try tried to do the best I could do with the circumstances. And I, I feel that I I, I definitely. I improved every step of the way, and just learning from everybody definitely helped. Nolan, I got to say, look, when you get drafted in June, July, and then all of a sudden you're in the major leagues a month later, 40 days later, uh, there is one thing that is a shame in that, especially because your favorite movie is my favorite movie, and that's Bull Durham. And, and we don't have any good minor league stories for Nolan Shonawa. What happened there? <laughs> my goodness. Yeah, that's <laughs> – well, Durham is is a favorite. It's my favorite movie, and just watching that and reflecting my career on that, we don't have a lot of a lot of similarities now. No, <laughs> no, it's it's the it's the exact opposite. It's Bizarro. Crash Davis is is Nolan Shonowell who's with us uh, <laughs> right now. Um, okay, take me back to to February of last year, or maybe this time last year. You're getting ready for your college season at Florida Atlantic. You know that you're probably going to be on a lot of draft boards and getting ready for the year. What was your approach to that college season going into uh, that year about what you were hoping to accomplish and, and what may lay in store looking forward? Yeah, going into the, the college season, I definitely set a lot of team goals. Uh, 
we wanted to win a conference championship, go to the regional, uh, go to Omaha. Uh, sadly, those didn't happen, but we were, I mean, we, we grew together every day, uh, tried, tried to tough it out. We had some tough injuries uh, fall upon us, but we were just all, all team-oriented. Everybody wanted the team to win. Everybody wanted each other to succeed. And uh, going into that season, we all amped. We, we knew uh, there was a lot of uh, upperclassmen on that team. We knew that this would be the last time we all get to play together, so we were stoked, uh, try to give it our all. Uh, but we were definitely just pumped, pumped for the season and just sure. trying to win it all. Yeah, I get you. And then you get the opportunity after that season uh, then to be a part of this Angels organization, and uh, in the blink of an eye, you're in the major leagues. I'm curious to know, just from just the, the, the physical part of this, going from using an aluminum bat in college to now dealing with uh, a wood bat and the difference there, I know if you play summer ball, you, you experience some of that, but how real maybe is the difference, just in equipment, going from the college game to professional baseball? Yeah, it definitely takes uh, some adjustments. Um, the sweet spot is definitely different on a metal bat than it is on a wood bat. Uh, metal bats are a lot forgiving. You can't get you can't get jammed in in, uh, in the show and get a hit like you can in college. Uh, your bat's breaking; it's going, it's trickling down either second base or third base side, depending on where where it gets you. But it's definitely a lot forgiving. Um, everything else is the same besides in the batter's box. Uh, uh, I mean, uh, equipment-wise, but skill-wise, everything's faster. Everything, when you're in the field, runners, pitching, everything faster is faster in the show compared to college. But equipment-wise, definitely the biggest adjustment for me was the bat. From the defensive side, learning first base at the major league level, not necessarily learning the position, but learning how to play it at that level. Um, was that something you, you talked about the speed of the game? Did, did you feel like maybe at first base there were some things that, okay, this offseason I, I got to work on, on this or that to try to slow it down for me just a little bit? Yeah, for sure. I mean, the the big adjustment was working on slowing everything down with my eyes and with my body, uh, trying not to speed myself up, uh, baseball is hard enough already. So if you're if you're being spazzy, you're uh, trying to act too quick. It's not going to work out. So that was the biggest adjustment for me was just slowing everything down, um, taking it one step at a time instead of trying to complete everything all at once. Nolan, one thing that I've been just trying to figure out since you've been here is how in the world you managed to get on base every single game that you were up here and playing, which was just a phenomenal feat in its own right. I know it's 29 games and you got a long major league career ahead of you, but to do that is is pretty special. Was there anything maybe you worked on, whether it be as a kid or as a college player, basically of just finding a knack to, to understand the strike zone as well as you do and find ways to get on base? Is that something that you ever worked on or put you know paid a lot of attention to? Yeah, actually uh... – one of my drills that I started my freshman year of college was if I swang at a ball or I took a strike, I would kick myself out of the cage. And ever since I started doing that, my eye for the zone has gotten so much better. Um, I, I've tried to implement it with a couple guys on, on the college team, 
And right after I, I started doing it, I saw growth. I, I saw uh, my K percentage go down, my walk percentage go up. And it, it's just you're, you're, you don't want to translate what you do in BP, or you want to translate what you do in BP to the game. You don't want to go into BP, swing it at everything, uh, and then go into the game with that same approach. You practice how you play. So that was the big thing for me was practicing how I play. I'm not going to swing at that ball three three inches over the zone in BP if I'm not going to swing at it in the game. So just implementing in that that in my pregame work was what helped me out tremendously. Sure. Hey, what do your college buddies and your teammates think of this ride you've been on? Because I'd imagine they're having a good time with it too. Oh, 100%. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You, you you get the you get the boys out of some games last year. Yes, actually, uh, the closest game we had was in Tampa, and I think thirty guys from the team uh, came up and and watched in Tampa, which was awesome. Uh, got them all tickets, got to talk to them before and after the game, and uh, they're all awesome. I mean, they're, they're my biggest supporters uh, after my family, and just. I mean, we all root for each other. We all want each other to succeed in life, whatever it is. And, I mean, they've had my back since day one. So That's so awesome to hear. Nolan, I want to learn a little bit about maybe who you were kind of as a kid. Like, was baseball everything for you, or was there other stuff you were into? Oh, 100%. I mean, baseball, uh, I eat, sleep, and breathe baseball growing up. Uh, I played other sports as well, but – just something about baseball. I knew it was it was special to me. I knew that I could do uh, I could do it in the long run. I knew I, I had an opportunity to play in college. I knew that I could play uh, professional once I got to uh, a certain point in my career. But I just I, I had a feeling I, I I worked at it. I worked at it almost every day. Just tried tried to perfect my craft. I wanted to be perfect as a kid. I was. I think elementary school. Um, I would get out and I I'd cry. I cry on the bench just because I wanted to be so perfect. And uh, just everything I did was geared towards baseball. So I I eat, sleep, and breathe baseball pretty much. Where, where does some of that uh, perfectionism come from? Is that uh, purely you? Is that uh, something that uh, came from from mom and dad? How how did some of that come into play? I would say definitely my mom and dad. Uh, they they had a, a a big role in it as well, but even even myself, I was so hard on myself growing up. Um, I I wanted to be the best player in the neighborhood, the best player in the city. I wanted to be the best player in Florida. It just it kept growing. Once I knew that there was another area, I wanted to be better than him. I wanted to be better than and anyone. I mean, I met somebody good at baseball. I'm like, I want to be better than that. I, I met somebody good out of state i wanted to be better than him it was just it just was a domino effect and my my parents they they knew i had uh a nick for baseball and they pushed me they they went out practice with me shag baseballs helped me every way they could and i definitely owe a lot of a lot of it to them now i know that so being the perfectionist that you are and you've already mentioned this uh, here in our conversation but uh let's go back to september 16th angels taking on the tigers game one of a double header i uh, i know the narrative had been okay when is nolan shawnowell going to start hitting home runs you finally leave the ballpark it, it's the the lone home run for your career albeit brief career thus far yeah. um 
I know that power was a big part of your game at Florida Atlantic. What are some of the things you feel like you're or you have been able to do this winter to try to to showcase some of that pop at the big league level? Yeah, I mean, I've been at the gym. That's been a big thing for me, and just working on a couple of mechanics in my swing uh, to get that backspin, pull side, uh, left center side. Just working on that um, with a couple guys uh, locally. Just working on that little like aspect of my of my swing. It's not a big adjustment, but it, it's adjustment enough to get that um, get that pull side backspin, get that opposite field backspin instead of that side spin. Just little stuff like that I've been working on that I, I feel like will, will will take me a long way. How tough is it to try to balance, okay, I, you came up and you had all this success and you got on base uh, at a ridiculous clip, over 400 on base percentage. You also hit 275. Um, so you have that success, but you're also – Trying to, you know, you want to hit more home runs because you can, you know, you got it in you, but you also don't want to see the on base percentage or the batting average suffer in the process. So, so, you know, how is how is that balance of trying to find the power while at the same time maybe not losing what you already had? Yeah, I mean, I always say that I'm not going to sacrifice um, getting on base just to try to unlock that extra power, especially with two strikes. Uh, I, I, I stick with my approach. If I get into one, I get into one. Um, I'm not going to do this big leg kick. I'm not going to do uh, get out of my comfort zone just to try and unlock that extra what, whatever it is, 20 feet of power in my swing. I'm, I'm going to stick to my approach and and what I do. And I, I just I believe that I'll run into more balls coming up in this season. Uh, but just sticking to my approach and not not letting myself shy away from that. Certainly, and absolutely looking forward to that. Okay, so you get the call and you make your debut on August the 18th, and I think there are a lot of people uh, surprised to see you up that quickly. It sounds like yourself included. You're walking in, and of course taking on a Florida team in Tampa uh, there for for your debut, which is beautiful in its own right. But uh, then to to be in that clubhouse and be around uh, the veteran star power you were around and, and the rising group of young angels that are you know, potentially going to have a, a, a huge impact on the organization moving forward. When you're walking into that room, what was the feeling like of, okay, I guess I have made it to the major leagues. Can you describe it? It's, it's definitely hard to describe, but my adrenaline was pumping. Um, I was up all, all night before, right after I got the, the call up. I, I didn't sleep much. But just running into all these guys and um, how welcoming they were to me and just taking me in under their wing, teaching me, uh, showing me the ropes. And, uh, I mean, a couple guys to name was Hoppy. I mean, the first guy I talked to when I got in the clubhouse, um, he's been a good mentor towards me. Uh, Mike Moustakis, a great mentor. I mean, these guys all took me in, and it was a shock to me because, I mean, I, I didn't get to meet him beforehand. I didn't have a spring training. So this is the first time I, I, I truly got to meet him. And taking last year that I was playing with all these guys on MLB The Show was even more crazy. <laughs> but it was, it was definitely an uh, uh, amazing day, and it was just hard, hard to all put together.
That that's wild when you put it that way. Okay, so you mentioned O'Hoppy, and and then you also had another Florida guy that's a part of this young core in Zach Neto. I've been calling you guys the twenty five U squad because I, I really believe that this group of players, twenty five years old or younger for the Angels, has a chance to to really impact the ball club for a long time. I think chemistry seems to be a big part of it too. Do you, do you feel like maybe there is a sense of that with uh, the group of, of young guys playing in the big leagues for the Angels? 100%. Uh, Neto, Ohapi, and I, I mean, right when I got called up, we clicked. Uh, Neto's been down in Miami. I'm uh, in Boca. So we worked out a, a couple times in the off season, And, uh, I mean, we just do we, – we did dinners together. We've, we've hung out together. Uh, we, we just – we all want the same goal. We want, we want to win a World Series. And I think that's the best thing about these guys is they're as driven as I am. And that, that means so much to not only me but to the team because we – we all want the same goal. We all want the same outcome. I mean, it, this is this is MLB baseball. Like this is this is the dream that everybody's asked for. So uh, we all we all go into it trying to accomplish the same dream. Talking with Nolan Shonwell right now. I, I don't want to keep you forever, so I'm sorry. I'm going to ask a, a couple more here if you're okay with it. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. Talking about just the experience of the 2023 season. How much did you feel like you were able to learn from those 29 games you played in in the major leagues? Oh, I, I mean, I learned so much. From game one to game 29, I think I was learning something every day. Um, and like I said already, just the, the little things and slowing myself down, uh, learning different, uh, like different techniques of how to prepare myself for a game, uh, watching film beforehand. Little stuff like that has taken me a long way in just those 29 games. I don't know that I can think of anybody that that I know that uh, has already played a, a month of Major League Baseball and is still going to be going into their first spring training. Um, but now as you do get ready for camp in Arizona, what are maybe some of the things that you're hoping uh, to accomplish in the spring to, to try to get you right and ready uh, for the 2024 campaign? Yeah, I mean, I'm super anxious to get back and working. Um, we got a whole new coaching staff, so I'm excited to learn from each and every one of them. Um, I'm excited to get to know all the new guys on the team and just work on whatever whatever we are going to go through uh, as a team. I want to work on my fielding, my base running. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to improve everything. Like I said, I'm trying to be a perfectionist, but uh, most importantly, just get to know all the guys and just build that chemistry like we should be you got a chance to talk with uh, ron washington much yet not yet um i'm going to day one right when i get to spring training yeah. I'm, I'm gonna go in his office and talk to him i'll tell you just from uh being around him a little bit uh get ready to work it's it's going to be i think it's going to be one of those camps where there's going to be new expectations set and, and it's going to be fun seeing uh how you and your teammates are, are going to be able to handle it coming into this year hey nolan I, I can't thank you enough really appreciate the time and thanks for being with us here on angels recap yeah thank you i appreciate it really good stuff from nolan shawnwell right there we appreciate nolan uh, giving us that kind of time i mean it, 
seriously, it was a, it occurred to me in the middle of that interview that Nolan Shonowell has played 29 major league games, has reached base in all 29 of those games, yet has yet to play one inning of spring training baseball. It's kind of crazy. Uh, this is for spring coming up here, but looking forward to that. Looking forward to spring training just two weeks away from pitchers and catchers reporting right around the corner. All right, we were talking about Aaron Hicks a little bit earlier today and the impact that Aaron Hicks might be able to have on this Angels ball club this year in the outfield. Now, did want to just address something real quick. When Aaron Hicks talked to the media, he had made a comment about uh, playing every day. He since has clarified that statement, saying in a text message, quote, what I meant to say is I'm preparing myself to play every day. That's how I approach every season, and that is always my goal. And, you know, he talked about some reasons for why wanting to play for the Angels, the San Pedro native who played at Wilson High School in Long Beach. Uh, Being back home in Southern California, I think, is a clear reason why Aaron Hicks wanted to be back in SoCal. And a play for Ron Washington was a big deal for him as well. And he spoke about the appeal of being able to play for Wash. I mean, I just think the, you know, just how badly he wants to win. Uh, He definitely seems like a a manager that wants you to work extremely hard into uh, making you the best player possible. Um, You know, especially when it comes down to all the infielders that he's had, um, you know, the, the proof is there, you know, all the, all the players that he's ever had are are better. Um, You know, I have friends that played uh, with teams um, in Atlanta and just the way that they talked about him, just, you know, how motivating he is, how, um, you know, uh, how badly he wants you to be the best player possible um, just makes you, you know, want to go there and win for him. You hear Aaron Hicks talk about that and playing for Ron Washington and why he would want to do that. And I think about the role Aaron Hicks is going to have on this Angels ball club. I mean, obviously, with what he did in Baltimore in 65 games, batting 275, if he's anywhere close to that, that's a huge perk for the Angels. And I go back to the initial feeling that he's preparing himself to play every day and what that might mean. It might mean we do see a lot of Aaron Hicks. He's not going to play every day. There's five outfielders. If that's what the Angels end up doing, he's not going to play every day. Um, We'll see what the Angels ultimately decide to do. But if that ends up being the case, every day is not going to happen. That being said, Ron Washington might use him a ton, and it might mean that he's not in the starting lineup every day, but he has an impact on a lot of games, maybe every game. I don't know. That's a lot to ask. It's it's not going to be every day. But to think of him being able to be a defensive replacement, when you think of him being able to play all three outfield positions – being a switch hitter, I think, is an important thing. So as a pinch hitter, he can go against righties or lefties, and you have that tool off your bench. Like, if you're Ron Washington, think about the benefit of having a guy like Aaron Hicks that covers three positions and can come off the bench and face righties or lefties, and you just don't have to worry about it. That, what a luxury for Ron Washington to have somebody like that. And that's part of the value of Aaron Hicks on top of the emotional settlement and the impact that he can make in the cultivating of this young group. We spent a ton of time talking about the 25U Angels and what that role can be. If, if the Angels are going to have any kind of long-term sustained success, it's going to be coming from that group of Angels that are 25 years old and younger. And I'm talking about the Nolan Shonowells. I'm talking about Logan O'Hoppy, Joe Adele, Mickey Moniak, Zach Neto. On the pitching side, Chase Silseth, Reed Detmers, Ben Joyce, Jose Soriano. Like, that is the core of this team. 
And I think back to the role that Mike Moustakis had for the Angels last year. And I know that, hey, the Angels' record with Moustakis wasn't very good at all. But the reason why that might have been the case is because Moustakis was playing because there were so many gosh darn other injuries. The Angels had no choice. They were just trying to put together whatever they could. This is a very different situation with this Angels team. But the role that Moustakis had in that clubhouse, I think, was a big deal and cannot be overstated. And I think Aaron Hicks is going to be able to bring a lot of that as well. This is all for the nurturing and the cultivation of talent and the development of the young guys that are here. How do you get those angels from being good enough to to get their crack the major league level to then being able to have staying power and ultimately be able to thrive and win consistently in the major leagues? That's a big step to get to. Like Development can't stop. That's the role of Ron Washington. But I also think of, like, Aaron Hicks has a role in that, too. Joe Adele, if you, if you didn't get a chance to hear it, Joe Adele was on this very show a couple of weeks ago. And he talked about the role that John Jay had on him and how it changed him defensively and, and how he was able to learn so many things from John Jay. You look at John Jay's tenure with the Angels, it was a, a very forgettable time with the Halos. You know, there's a lot of players that come and go. It's baseball. But if the impact of John Jay is – being able to further progress the development of Joe Adele, that's significant. And that's something that you don't always pay attention to. And it's hard to know all those intricacies, but that, that's why we're sharing that with you here on this show. And, and maybe Aaron Hicks has some of that too. And I, I think that's going to be a big deal. But at the same time, I mean, the Angels, they didn't bring him in just to be everybody's buddy. You bring on somebody because you want them to produce. And he did produce in Baltimore. Certainly a lot better than he was able to produce in New York. And he explained maybe why he was able to have that kind of success with the Orioles. And, well, maybe if any of that can translate to 2024 with the Angels. I think for for me, it was kind of just the opportunity to kind of play every single day. Um, to kind of be, um, you know, as soon as I went to Baltimore, they pretty much just allowed me to, to you know, um, be myself over there and, and play, um, you know, all – all positions and, uh, you know, just continue to keep throwing me out there. Um, you know, I was able to, you know, get, get into a solid groove um, as soon as I got over there and the, the team was great. Um, obviously the organization was amazing and, uh, you know, just to be able for me to have the opportunity to play with a different team was, was also a blessing as well. And he had a lot of success with the Orioles. That's in division two. It's going to be a little different going across the country, a guy that was drafted by the Twins, played his first handful of seasons in Minnesota, then spent much of his career in New York before finishing last year in Baltimore, now comes out west and is hoping uh, to produce for the Angels this coming season. Again, it's not going to be an everyday role for Aaron Hicks, but I do think that he has a chance to make an impact every day, whether it be in the clubhouse or whether it be as a defensive replacement, a pinch hitter. Aaron Hicks is is going to be able to provide value a lot for the Angels, even if it doesn't necessarily mean being in the lineup every single day. The Angels also uh, were able to officially announce the return of Matt Moore to the Angels' bullpen. And we talked a little bit about this last week, so I don't want to go way in-depth on the bullpen here, but did want to share some comments that Matt Moore made on Tuesday talking about the reason why he wanted to return to the Halos. I think, uh, you know, the opportunity to – to play again um, in the same place I was last year meant a lot to me. Um, it's been, you know, my wife and I were talking yesterday, and I think it's been about six years since I've, uh, you know, I had back-to-back seasons with the same team. And 
you know, uh, I think just getting into the season and kind of not having to, you know, build that rapport with her. I mean, I know we have a new staff, but, you know, uh, at least with my teammates and whatnot, should be able to kind of be a little more seamless transition into, you know, what's important, you know, as opposed to, you know, building a friendship and kind of getting to know people. And that familiarity, you hope, can have a big impact on this team. And look, Matt Moore had a lot of success here. 266 ERA last season. The Angels, while they have built a very good bullpen coming into this season, an improved bullpen from a year ago, they still needed a left-hander. And Matt Moore checks that box and has a proven track record of success. And gosh, when you look at Carlos Estevez and Robert Stevenson, and, and now Matt Moore is back, and you know, you add on you know, Luis Garcia, I think Adam Simber to a certain extent uh, is going to be a part of that too. And then you also have your internal guys that are growing, ascending, improving the Jose Sorianos in the world and Ben Joyce flamethrower. Now all of a sudden the depth of this Angels bullpen looks pretty good. I mean, there were times where Jimmy Hergit was closing games for the Angels, and, and I don't know where he fits in in this Angels bullpen because there are so many new and improved pieces in there. And that's no slight to Jimmy. It's just a reflection of how much better this bullpen is moving forward. And along those lines, you know, when a free agent signs somewhere, and Matt Moore, a free agent after what happened last season, you want to go somewhere usually where you can win. And, well, Matt Moore was asked if he feels like this Angels team can make a run in 2020. 24. Yeah, of course. I mean, I, look, I'm not like a, I don't think about this. I think maybe the way some people who analyze this sport do, um, I think just at, maybe because I'm a player, I might be naive to, you know, what some of the black and white numbers say. But I mean, I remember playing for the Texas Rangers in 2018 and the way people were talking about us, you know, I mean, it, it wound up being a little bit of some truth there, but you know, it just never feels like it never really feels like the pulse of what's on the outside is always truly the way you feel about your group on the inside. You know, I, I like the starting staff, you know, I think just having uh, another year of growth underneath them, you know, I was a young pitcher at one point and I know, you know, from year to year, it can, it can mean a lot. And I think that that's going to mean a lot for like a Ben Joyce, for a Jose Soriano to have Matt Moore in there. I think that's a big deal. And speaking of all of these bullpen pieces, I think Matt can recognize as well that there's no doubt this is a better bullpen coming into 2024 than what the Angels had in 23. Yeah, I think that that's, um, you know, kind of like this, the type of stuff I was talking about with, with Perry is, uh, you know, there's something there that, that they wanted to prove upon apparently. And, and obviously, you know, without me and Aaron having contracts or, you know, the other guys who, who left, you know, Devo, um, there were spots to be filled. So, you know, he went out and got, got the guys that, you know, he, he wants to see at the end of the games. And, um, you know, I'm looking forward to being a part of that and seeing how, how you know, how things kind of fit in and, you know, kind of fit into our roles. Speaking of that, uh, Matt Moore at the end of last season ended up being a bit of a, a victim of just the nature of the business of baseball when he was placed on waivers at uh, the end of August last year. And the reason for that, it's a very simple business reason. The Angels needed to make sure they got under the luxury tax in the event that in, in case Shohei Otani were to walk, the Angels would then get a second-round pick instead of a fourth-round pick equivalent. So 
that's ultimately what ends up happening here, and the Angels are going to get uh, the equivalent of a second-round pick instead of a fourth-round pick because they did get under the luxury tax. And and to do that, you had to place Matt Moore on waivers, and he had to get picked up, and, and he was really good last year. So, of course, he was going to get picked up, and Cleveland's the one that ends up taking him. But um, it was nice to hear that Matt Moore really has no hard feelings and, and has an understanding just of what happened from a business perspective. Uh, hard feelings? No. You know, I think that – I don't know. I just, I, I don't really see it as that. Look, Hey, I understand like there's, there's a possibility that that happens. I have, I, I live in the reality that that's, that that's there. So for it to like happen um, and for me to have a hard feeling about it, look, I, I agreed to it. Right. I, um, yeah, no, the first one actually, you know, in my eyes, look, Hey, look, I had a chance to go get on with somebody else, you know, selfishly from a personal standpoint. Yeah. It, it wasn't great, you know, not having my family be able to come with me, but um yeah, the, the first one going to Cleveland, whatever, you know, wasn't wasn't that bad. It was the next one, you know, that was kind of like, all right, well, this is, you know, isn't as, as, as fun as the first one. But look, it's sometimes things just happen, you know, and it's not necessarily, um, you know, what happens to you, but just kind of how you respond to it. Right. So I tried to do the best I could for Cleveland, you know, and then when that happened, I, I went over to Miami and it was it was fun to be in a clubhouse where they're a week away from the playoffs and a couple wins away here and there and. You know, I, I don't know how long I'm going to be able to play baseball, but it's just, it's fun to, you know, you can look at it, you know, in, in different perspectives, and I, and I enjoyed it, so. And maybe that perspective is going to help Matt Moore be even better than what he was a year ago. He was really good. 2.66 ERA for the Angels. Halo's uh, happy to have him back at a one-year $9 million deal. So that's Matt Moore. Um, thanks to Matt and also uh, to Aaron Hicks for, for their time and, and being able to talk to the media and give us a little bit of their perspective on some of the moves that have gone on this winter. I want to especially thank Nolan Shawnowell for all his time today as our featured guest. Hey, look, if you have not had a chance to listen to some of our other podcasts, Highly recommend you do that. We spoke to Logan O'Hoppy last week. Really insightful. Uh, we opened up uh, this Angels Recap Hot Stove series with Mickey Moniak uh, a handful of weeks ago at the beginning of January. We had Joe Adele on as well. And we're going to keep bringing you great guests leading up into Angels Spring Training. And then the podcast isn't going to stop. We're going to keep pushing out content uh, every single week. And then when we get into the season, we're going to have a lot more of that uh, for you. So we're going to have a ton more than more than once a week coming your way uh, once the season gets going. We have a ton to talk about because that's uh, the beauty and the nature of baseball. You play 162 games, a lot can happen on a day-to-day basis. So we're going to do our best uh, to keep you up to speed on everything. But I know this is kind of that anticipation time, right? You got one football game standing between now and the beginning of baseball season. So I know some folks get a little antsy. Maybe I get a little antsy. I think that's part of it, but it's just because I love baseball so much, and it's been really cool hearing from all of these different angels to get a, a really neat, unique perspective on how they're approaching the coming season, and hopefully uh, that's some good stuff you can take with you and, and share it with your friends when you're out in Tempe, Arizona, or better yet, at the Big A come time for the start of the regular season. For Elise Diaz and Howard Drescher in the studio, my name is Trent Rush. I want to say thank you for joining us on this edition of the Angels Recap Podcast. Of course, you can also listen to our live radio broadcast every Tuesday at 2 on the Angels flagship station, AM830 KLAA in Los Angeles. And of course, it's always available as well on the AM830 app. Until next time, take care. I'm Trent Rush. This has been the Angels Recap Podcast, Hot Stove Edition.